Richard Katrovis is the founding director of the Prague Summer Program for Writers and the author of 17 books of prose and verse. He taught for 20 years at the University of New Orleans and is currently a professor of English at Western Michigan University. Welcome to the Bibliophile. Thank you. I'd like to start by discussing the pros and cons of creative writing programs as they relate to getting published. Um, because the podcast is uh, an examination of, of the book and mm -hmm. uh, best practitioners associated mm -hmm. in all sorts of different roles. So they beat the personality out of you. Other people opining about what's good and bad, what they like and what they don't like. And yet what I hear most often from editors is that you need to cultivate your own personality. So how do you work those two together? Well, first of all, you, you, you proceed from two false assumptions. From my point of view, as someone who's been teaching uh, creative writing workshops at every level for the past 40 years, you know, I would say that they do not beat the personality out of you. That's absurd and uh, uh, silly. As far as what editors may say, I mean, it depends on, you know, what what kind of venue the person is um, uh, directing. I mean, or, you know, is that individual an editor of, of a New York house uh, or a commercial house or the editor of a university press, say, or a um, Tiffany uh, uh, literary publisher? I mean, it depends. It is no doubt the case that um, the individuals who, who, who make the most money for publishing houses, with some except, with significant exceptions, are not individuals who have gone through the, uh, uh, the, the regime of, of a creative writing program necessarily. Mm -hmm. Though anymore these days, you'd be very hard pressed to find anyone who has published anything who has not had at least some tangential, some, some kind of relation to, to what we call creative writing. You would think then it's a good thing based on your life. It's not a matter of it's a good thing or a bad thing. I mean, you know, the, the stars in the sky are neither good nor bad. They are, you know, okay. and I think historically, you know, uh, creative writing, my view of the origins of creative writing is, is that it, it, it has its roots in what, what we think of as counterculture and, and, and the kind of radical egalitarianism that, that one associates with, with that, that period of time, those historical movements, uh, beginning with, with uh, civil rights movement and, and of course, you know, what we think of the anti-war movement and the incursion of counterculture values and, 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 and accompanying sentiments in, into academe, in, into that profoundly patriarchal structure as, as it stood up through the 50s and into the 60s. And creative writing, of course, goes back, I think we can trace it back to any writing pedagogy, which would include, you know, the teaching of rhetoric before even English departments existed. I think that, that you know, basically creative writing uh, is based upon the assumption that any girl or boy can, that, that making art is not an elitist endeavor. That, that it is something that, that, that at least in certain respects can be learned and that a much greater number, a greater percentage of the population that has been the case in the past is, is capable of participating in this process that we call literary art making or we think of as literary art making. I, I think one has to begin to understand creative writing in, in the context of humanities education in general and, and the ways in which humanities education Creative writing, in particular, has radiated through through the larger culture. You know, r relative to issues of cultural literacy, 
relative to issues of, uh, of class. Questions such as what has the effect of, of the institution of creative writing, the cottage industry of creative writing had on literature as such? You know, that, that's the larger question and is not one that, is, that can be answered in two or three pithy statements. Overall, has its presence created, quote, better literature? Can you answer I think that it's question? An abs- I, I think it's an absurd question. Okay. I, I mean, but it's but it's one that people will ask. Right. I, you know, I, it's it's impossible to answer. You know, I, I cannot go back go back in a time machine and, and change history such that whatever creative writing is, it, you know, it hasn't emerged and become an integral part of what we think of as English language education, right. which is a part of the larger uh, humanities education. That it has been a determining factor and a large determining factor, I think, is is indisputable. Well, I guess what I'm trying to get at is. We all have our own style because of the lives that we've lived and the, th- the no, thoughts we don't. that we have. No, I don't know. We don't. I don't know. I, I, well, let me, let me just finish. Okay, okay, okay. okay, okay. Yeah. So I, I think of myself as having a style that I've tried to develop over the mm-hmm. years. By style, I, do you mean a living style or a lifestyle? Or no, you mean a no writing I, style? I mean a writing style. Okay, okay. One that I have cultivated. Anyway, so there's that. And I don't know if you can teach that or not. I'm the one that's developed that, and I don't want anyone fucking with it. First of all, the trope of, of someone, quote, fucking with it is problematic to me for, for, for a multitude of reasons, but be that as it may. Yeah, no, I put, um, but, but, it's but, a vulgar way of putting it. No, no, it's not a matter of vulgarity. It's a matter of, of, of conception. But I go back to your premise that, that you have an individual style. Sure. I, and I would argue that no one has an individual style up to a certain point. Right. That, that, that whatever you think of as your individual style are, are a, a, a set of um, a set of factors that you have taken on through imitation. You know, they are therefore historically based. Come from somewhere, is that it? Well, exactly. You, yeah. there, there, is no, there is no style without influence. You know, you, one can go back to uh, Eliot's tradition in the individual talent, the anxiety of influence, yeah. Carol Bloom. I, you know, I, I, I do extend that really to anyone who's trying to make literary art or any kind of art. There is an anxiety of influence. Sure. Now, whether or not it plays out in those, you know, in those, in those uh, broadly Freudian terms that, that Bloom conceived them is another matter. Okay. Uh, I, think, I think that largely they do. Right. So, you know, I mean, it's so so the, the very notion of originality has to be has to be, I think, uh, has to be understood as as problematic. Okay. If if I can go with with that though, that's that's, sure. that's because I that I believe I've got a style, and it's as a result of being influenced by all sorts of different factors. But I do believe I've got a style. It seems to me that that a, a writing workshop can help me with structure. I don't want it to change my style necessarily. I want it. I want to no, no tell work- a story better. Perhaps. No workshop is going to change your style. Okay. Okay. If, if 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 indeed you see style as an as as a uh, function of personality, then how do we define personality? Blah blah right. blah. You know, you right. psychoanalysis. You know. So yes, the idea of a personal style is a convenient trope, is what I would say. Okay. You know, and 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 it's one that I accept because I think of myself as having a style. But just like personality, style is on a is, is on a spectrum. And it's one that we can we can, we can locate. You know, I, I can recognize you know I can recognize this particular writing style as being that of, of that of someone who is trying to project a sense of of of, of masculinity of uh, uh, world weariness. 
you know, one can also maybe see, you know, the uh, certain you know, obvious influences. Um, I mean, you know, when we think of great writers, we think of, a, of a, a Ernest Hemingway. Ernest Hemingway's, quote, style resonates through so much of the literature that followed him that, we can, that, 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 it's, that it's become something of a joke. There's, you know, but we speak also of period styles. Period styles transcend individual personalities. And there are period styles. But, but I, I think that, that it's also necessary from time to time for a writer, especially, certainly a critic, mm. to back up and see the larger picture and to think less in terms of individual style, more in terms of, of, of period style and where, where one as an individual falls on that continuum you know, and where one finds one's voice. That, by the way, is the, is the trope, the central trope of creative writing, the finding of one's voice, the discovery of one's voice. This is not something that a creative writing workshop causes, but it can facilitate. And, and, and this is true of any arts pedagogy. And I think, again, you know, one has to think of creative writing in the larger context of arts pedagogy. Yes. And, then, and then finally, you know, art in general, you know, the, 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 the function of art in a particular complex social construct. I like that because... I mean, I think I've found my voice, mm -hmm. but you can help me what fine tune it, or what? I think if anything, you know, I you know we writers, you know, communing can assist one another as first readers, and not only first readers, but but the the, the most sophisticated readers, and not only the first most sophisticated readers but also the most emotionally invested readers in as much as as audience you are facing the person who is showing an early form of a piece of work to you and, 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 and soliciting your response to it. So the fact of the matter is a workshop can be, even for the most successful, wildly successful authors, however one, uh, one conceives of success, as the, the, the most salient, responsive, and thoughtful audience one will ever have. Will ever have. Mm -hmm. Now, the point is, now, w once you are in workshop culture, what I would argue is there's a point at which uh, too often people become, I'll use the trope, addicted to that pro to, to, to the social, to the social, that social entity, which is the creative writing workshop. And that's wrong. That's bad. That's usually, you know, when that, and it's not bad, but when it happens, one has gone beyond art and is in, is in the realm of, um, therapy, you know, yeah. and, 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 and the relation, the, the relation of workshop activity to therapy is, is, is one of the more interesting ones I, I, I think that, that one can, can address and, and, and consider. Yeah. Well, that actually leads me to the question, why do people take these workshops? Uh, I've got a couple of thoughts here. One would be just university credits, therapy, as you say, to meet like-minded people. So there's that social element to connect, to communicate. What do you think? Well, I think that, again, one has to go back to that traditional construct of creative writing, which is fiction and poetry. And, 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 and one has to accept an obvious fact, and that is that poets do not have the same relation to audience that fiction writers have. 
a fiction writer may at least dream of a larger audience, may at least dream of being remunerated. Whereas outside the context of the creative right, the, the cottage industry of creative writing, poets have no opportunity to monetize what they are doing. And that's just that's just a fact. And yet they are brought together in these in these social constructs within universities called called creative writing programs. Mm-hmm. And within these programs you have this like usually this dichotomy. Now it's become triadic you know, in recent years where you've had, you've, they've brought in creative nonfiction as, right. you know, and, and, and so now you have this triadic construction. And in our, in our program at WMU, for example, we have also, we've included playwriting, you know, and, and of course other programs have screenwriting. These have been brought in, you know, it, it, and, and basically what that represents is simply a, an, in, an industry growing for better and for worse. But the initial construct was poetry and, and fiction. Again, fiction writers have may at least dream of remunerative of, of being remunerated for their work. Is that the goal of most of the writers? No, is not to get, it is, is no. to get published and to make make a little no, bit of money. No, but some some do. And and yeah. whether you whether that is your you know conscious goal or not, the fact that it is a possibility, the, the fact that, that the market construct is such that, that that it is possible for some means that your relation to that process, your relation to the the art part is is different than it is for poets for whom it is really a communal activity even though within the context of of the um cottage industry of creative writing you have now there are ways in which you know poets uh, monetize what they do by virtue of of their their place within that complex social structure of 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 american poetry so is it I mean, is it mostly ego that drives people to, to want to get published? Or is it that they have a message for the world? Hemingway said, if you have a message, send it to Western Union. And, and W.H. Auden said that he, as the judge for the um, uh, Yale series of Younger Poets, said that he, he trusted a young poet who delighted in the music of language more right. than he, more than he delighted more than he trusted a young poet who thought that she or he had anything to say you know i mean of, of course it begins as ego but you know it's it, you know it's it's also grounded in physiology i think that is you know that bright young people at a certain point when they realize that that that, that there may be artifice to verbal expression and they discover that poetry is the primary means by which that is understood and achieved then you know they may start writing poems or songs which are form which is a form of poetry and they start writing you know they expressing themselves you know and, and they fold them up and put them you know under their underwear in their drawers you know and hide them away and maybe show them to friends of course now with creative writing you know a fourth or fifth grader who's written a little prayer can you know the teacher will see it and say oh you're a poet and you know well now we'll form this little group of folks who want to be poets and you know the, the whole idea of, of poetry workshops of creative writing workshops are, are so embedded in the culture and particularly in, in language education that the role of poet, for example, is much more accessible than it was, say, for our generation and before that. Um, and, and therefore, it's less romantic, you know, uh, for better and for worse. What about uh, making a record of the fact that you are here, that you, uh, you know, that you don't, you're not forgotten, that you, uh, that you live into well, that's, that's, eternity? I mean, well, that's that's the ego thing. But I think what yeah. I, 
and endemic to youth is a sense of immortality. And yes. so and so and so that that's not going to be one's initial reason. It's going to be more, you know, from the loins. It, it's sexual. I mean, yeah. sexual, yeah. you know, uh, psychosexual, you know, yeah. I mean, I mean, not exclusively, but, but, you know, in, in large part, you know, I mean, it's, it's the psychosexual dynamic is the engine of, of, of lyric discourse. You know, uh, this is no country for old men, you know, Yeats said, and, and, and indeed it wasn't. And yet, and yet, you know, he was writing some of his greatest poetry as 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 a relatively old man. It, it, it was a more cerebral kind of of discourse, mm. and it was one that was looking back and and was embracing his youth, even as it was looking beyond his 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 temporal existence. I pulled together some uh, some ideas on what you might get out of a writing workshop mm-hmm. from among others uh, Emma Darwin. That one website that I referenced, but I just want to bounce these off you to get your sure. feedback. Okay. So on a good course, you'll learn to read uh, as a writer, without which you'll never become a writer worth reading. To find material in the world and use it well. Yeah, I mean that seems to me to be a truism. To find material in your imagination and yourself and develop it. To sharpen and acquire technical tools. That's certainly true. Integrate technique and intuition. That is a, a primary goal within the process of, of, of becoming a, a, a writer, you know, a maker of literary art. To make your own judgments about what to accept, what to adapt, and what to ignore. I mean, yeah, again, truism, you know, I mean, it's, it's, that, that's a, um, that's a pretty complex process, you know, yeah. uh, and it, and it, you know, it, it really boils down to one's, you know, what we call vision and that how we define that is very important, <laughs> you know, because it, it's, 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 it's the reason for being of, of whatever we're doing, yeah. you know, beyond ego, beyond ego. Well, I guess to what we initially yeah. talked about yeah. too, I think is, uh, you know, so how much of this feedback am I going to accept? Uh, or am I comfortable living with? Well, look, the the fact of the matter is, you know, you even dumb readers of your work can teach you stuff about your work. You know, you like are being, what, for example? E- e- well, even as you're being judged, you are judging those who are judging you, and you, you know, <laughs> and you're seeing. Who the fuck are you to tell me? Well, yeah, but but it's you know, and 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 over time, a group of people, you know, becomes you know, somewhat singular. You know, become takes on a communal uh, uh, personality, yeah. and and uh, you know, and, and, and you begin to uh, and, and you can begin to gauge, you know, what one will say or or the relevancy of what someone has said within the dynamic of, of, of the disc, of the group discourse. That, that that can only be of some value, and, and it's 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 really it's really up to the writer who is being critiqued to to to, to listen artfully. You know, and that, that's, that's really a part what it's about. It's about an artful listening. Hmm. And also to understand that, that, that every bit as important as listening to what people are saying about your work is, is, is listening to what they are also saying about other people's work. Trying to understand what, what you, what, you know, the, the, the value of your own voice within that dynamic. Uh, and by the, and your, your critic's voice, because one, one is, 
you know, every writer is a critic and every critic is a writer to some extent. Um, and, and, you know, and when you're in a workshop, you know, you are at least, you are most of the time playing the role of critic, of reader critic. So, you know, again, it's, it's you know, it's a, it's a complex social dynamic, the workshop is. And um, my, my belief is, is that if, if one listens artfully, if one participates artfully, you know, one can only benefit from the process. You know, and, and there have been very few writers who have not had workshop type situations. Yeah, as you I mean, say, with their first readers and their friends. Yeah. The, and the Bloomsbury group, in some yeah. way, was yeah. a kind of workshop. And the, 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 high, the high modernists, you know, the, those who, who were um, living abroad, the, the expatriate writers of the 20s and the later, later 40s, um, you know, they, they, they constituted, even if they didn't get together all the time in, you know, Parisian bars, you know, they were still carrying on epistolary yes. uh, uh, relationships. And, you know, uh, that's hugely important. You know, so, I mean, there has always been that, every, writers have always sought a sense of community. What has happened with, the creative, with creative writing is that it has formalized that yeah. and put it, in, it put it in higher education. The larger issue is, is the you know, social issue is the evolution of, of higher education in the humanities you know, in, in America, and how creative writing manifested from that, you know, especially in the historical context of what we think of as counterculture. Yeah, so make of that what you will. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, it brings up my, this idea that uh, I don't think that I've really done justice to a, a book. Mm -hmm until I've gotten my little group of people, uh, friends mm -hmm, together mm -hmm. to discuss it and, and form thoughts based on bouncing ideas from what I've read. To me, it's like a completion of the reading process is the conversation. Well, sure, yeah. I mean, a absolutely. I mean, it's kind of an organic workshop or, or a sense of, of, of literary community. L the idea of literary community is, is, is important you know, how that is achieved in different epochs. Yeah. Writing is a lonely is a lonely endeavor. However, at different times in history, there have been senses of community. Elizabethan England represented, you know, at different times in, in, that, in that time span. There were, you know, Shakespeare had around him a sense of community. They happened to be other, other uh, actors. We, we have no idea to the extent to which the actors in Shakespeare's company contributed to, to the making of these, of these plays. Or, or any kind of dramatic writing, certainly, you know, even Hollywood movies. I mean, they, they are communal activities. Every TV show, you know, on, on television, every TV movie, every freaking movie has multiple writers, you know, and that represents a kind of workshop, a kind of committee, yeah. a, a kind of, you know, uh, you're making a singular thing by committee, whereas in a workshop, you know, there are different things that are being regarded by the committee and, and, and there's a sense of, of, of editorial contribution, you know, through, through, through discourse. And it does, I think, it does improve the sort of end product, if you want to call it, it that. It can, and it can also homogenize it. it but you know, there are new ideas that you would never have even conceived of that, that, that are brought up as, for you. As, especially if the workshop 
you know, these communities, these small communities, classroom communities, uh, you know, if, if they're randomly constructed, then yes, you're going to get a much broader uh, representation of, of, of a population. Now, over here, there's a young woman from Iran right. th this time. We have a young woman from, I think she's going to make it over. I, I think she just told me that she got her, uh, her visa. You know, so from Iran, we've had many, uh, we've had over the years, uh, writers from uh, Anglopho, Anglophone Asia uh, uh, and, and many writers who, from other languages that simply want to make literary art in the lingua franca. You know, and, and, I, and I feel wholly incompetent to, to mentor them, and yet, you know, they want to do this, so I do what I can. I, you know, I, I, I try as best I can. You know, I try to look past the ESL issues often, you know, and, and, and also encourage them to, 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 you know, to bring as much of their, uh, of their cultural context to the process as they can, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, and, yeah. And, and, and to understand that, that that's the, the genius of the English language, the spirit of the English language, mm -hmm. is that uh, it, it, as reflected in a, 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 a famous uh, uh, incident, uh, probably apocryphal, in which uh, William Carlos Williams is alleged to have said, after he'd given a reading at, at a university, college or university, uh, some tweedy academic had come up to him and said, where do your poems come from? And, you know, and, 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 you know, Dr. Williams, you know, the, the pediatrician looked at him and said, from the mouths of Polish mothers. And it's, it's true. I mean, the genius of that statement, whether it's apocryphal or not, is that the English language has continually been refined, not refined, mongrel, but, but, but transmuted, transmuted through, you know, the, the, the incursion of, of other language groups into it. So, you know, I mean, and so there's no other language on earth that comes close to the, to, to the, complexity and, and the multiplicity of, of the English language. I think what's fascinating too, you know, you're talking about bringing people in from different mm -hmm. cultures. I'll just give you, a, for instance, I was in a bookstore yesterday, mm -hmm. the name is Blanking, uh, but he's the best, he's like the Elvis of Czech Republic. He's the best known singer. There's this- Carl Gott. That's it. Mm -hmm. And there's this big, big book, like it's thick. Mm -hmm. And I've never ever heard of him, and yet for this culture, and also German language culture, he's very big. And you know, I mean, he he was like he was like the Frank Sinatra of this part yes. of Central Europe. So well, I guess the point yeah. I'm getting at is that's completely foreign to me. So bringing things like this to, together is what well, obviously it's a learning process. What else does? Bringing different well, people together from different cultures. Well, there, there, there's that, but there's also, it seems to me, the issue of uh, cultural imperialism, mm. which, which I think one has to be a, uh, uh, concerned about. You know, uh, even as it is an ex inexorable process. Um, you know, I see the the bright side of, of of what I do in terms of you know my little little tiny fiefdom, you know, bringing these people from different cultural contexts, and you know, but mo most of our students are native English speakers from the United States, usually folks who are either in graduate writing programs or uh, want to be in them, you know. Um, I mean, I spend so much of my time writing letters of recommendation for people and, you know, and, and such. But um, where the hell was I going? Well, it's just, yeah. if you could, we could get back to connecting it to the book then. So yeah. what you're saying is, is basically, this is sort of an institutionalized community mm -hmm. that, it helps people get published. 
Well, it spills over. It spills over into um, you know, in, into individual communities. I mean, you know, the, the, every every university town has its little uh, community of, of writers, uh, mo- often mostly poets, but you know, also fiction writers who have gone through the universities and continue to live there, either teaching in high schools or working, starting businesses, or maybe even working at the local community college teaching creative writing. You know those who don't actually go off and become professors themselves. You know, it, it resonates through individual communities and, of course, has, has resonated, you know, uh, through, through the entire culture. And I think we're only beginning to, 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 to question what exactly it is and, and what, what the effects have been. But it ultimately is, and I want to get to an essay that, yeah. of yours, mm-hmm. uh, in your book, A Memoir in Essays, Poets and the Fools Who... <laughs> and the Fools... You're calling all the, your loved ones fools here. Poets and the Fools Who Love Them. In, in this mm-hmm. book published by... Uh, it's Louisiana Press, right? Louisiana State University, University State Press. University Press, yeah. yes. And you have something like 17 or 18 books published by various prestigious university mm-hmm. presses mm-hmm. which gets us to what the kind of intense maybe I'll get you to read this if you could just from here uh-huh. to there okay if you're good with that yeah okay let me see this okay uh Soon after taking up employment at the chart house, I met the woman I would live with in her apartment on Dumaine and would eventually ludicrously marry. After my adventures in three graduate programs, interspersed with gigs at several upscale French Quarter restaurants, Betty and I moved into what our landlord insisted on one occasion swore was the original house of the Rising Sun on St. Louis between Bourbon and Dauphine, across the street from Al Hurt, or Jumbo, as we, as he insisted we call him. It was there at the age of 29 in the early autumn of 1983 that I received in the mail the package containing two hardback copies of my first book, Green Dragons, winner of the Wesleyan University Press New Poets series. I can look back now over the almost 30 years and uh, realize how silly I was as I ripped the envelope open and held my book, gazed into the image on the dust jacket with a soulful intensity I'd never felt before and would not feel again until eight years later when I'd gaze into the crinkled face of my swaddled newborn first daughter. I'm certain that every published writer can tell a similar story of that first moment of clutching that first book turning it over again and again in one's quavering hands, opening it and flipping rapidly through the pages, lifting it to one's face and breathing it in, all but inhaling it, indeed all but eating it, or feeling that the thing is magic, will magically transform human existence. That feeling is a narcissistic idiocy that soon passes, or at least ratchets down in intensity. At some point, one feels, at least I do, a kind of shame for having been so self-consumed, for having invested so much ego into such a simple, even humble, object. As one reaches the point when Peggy Lee's Is That All There Is becomes something like the national anthem of the inner life, 
Of course, all the remembered manifestations of youthful narcissism become a source of great shame, and yet such shame does not empty into regret. I can never regret feeling so marvelous as I did holding in my hands for the first time my first book. Yeah, so it's that, that feeling is what participants in workshops want. Well, yeah, yeah so, well, but it's just a simple, a, you know, a feeling of accomplishment, you know. It's, of, of what, validation? Yes, it is. I'm sure it is a feeling of validation, you know, and, and again, I'm jaded now, but when I was 29 and ha having worked most my, my entire adult life up to that point to write that first book, you know, to, to, to gain the uh, skill set necessary to do so, you know, and also to engage the world as a social being in such a way that it, it led to that moment. It, you know, uh, yes, I look back and I, I you know, I, I, I laugh at my, my former self, but I also rejoice in, in him and in other young writers who have similar ambition. And I have over the years delighted when my students have come to me and, and told me that they've published their first books and I, I know exactly how they feel and, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm very happy to have had some small part in that, in that process. So I wonder why validation is so important. Uh, well, beca well, because personal prestige is as important to the to an individual as an organism it is as important as sustenance to have it to self-esteem is as important as those things we need to live daily and, and is that it, your it, opinion or is, do you think that's a no 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 i no i think i think it's i think it's a human nature I, I i think it's at the very heart of human nature the the, the desire for uh, uh social relevance is uh, is absolutely integral to the uh, human organism, to, to human consciousness as such. Wouldn't you say though, like if you got that kind of validation mm -hmm. and uh, well, love, mother's love, parental love, if you got a ton of that early on, you don't need that validation as much, or do you? Does everyone need it the same amount? You know, I mean, it depends on the individual. You know, and, and, and it, you know, how much of it, how much of that is physiological, and, and how much of it is, you know, and nurture and nature. You know, how much is nurture and how much is nature? I, I have no freaking idea. You know, I'm I'm quite certain that uh, Ernest Becker and the denial of death and uh, and and the structure of evil, two of his most important books, uh, was was uh, correct in in the in the assertion that self-esteem is as integral to to uh to health as physical sustenance okay so in other words this sense that you're particularly in the context of what we've been talking about mm -hmm. the sense of what what you think is valid and worth being paid attention to by others mm -hmm. so is this an exercise in uh, boosting self-esteem Look, whether one awakens, at, you know, at, at the age of, of uh, 14 uh, to the realization that she or he wants to be a singer or a poet, 
you know, or, or whether one awakens and realizes that she or he wants to literally rule the fucking world. You know, but both impulses are coming from the same place. You know, it, it, it has to do with self-esteem. It has to do with sense, a sense of personal value. And, you know, and, 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 and usually the, the, the mechanisms by which a sense of personal value is achieved are pre-existing to one's life. You know, so one comes into life, one, one, is, one is confronted with, with possibilities and, you know, and, and through whatever mysterious processes, one latches on to one role or another, you know, social role or another that is available to one. In an effort to to have a sense of, of purpose, to have a sense of value. That's your know, personal value. There's a really good line in there that let's see if I can pull it up. Uh, but it has to do with the book being you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? It contains well, you. Well well it's it's it really uh, the, you know that I you know who touches this book touches a man. Yes. said Walt Whitman. It's a very famous saying. Yeah, so I'm pl- I'm playing with that idea. I'm not so sure I believe that exactly or exact you know or in our post-structuralist time, you know, post post post-structuralist time moment in history. Foucault speaks of the author function rather than the author. You know, we, 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 we learn that, um, that that meaning as such is problematic, that, 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 that there is a uh, irreconcilable gap between signifier and signified. You know, uh, you know in, in the very structure of, of the English language and therefore, in, you know, in, in, which goes to the very structure of, of human consciousness, there, there, there is a random relation between how we note what we see and and the means by which we do so. It's Caesarian linguistics. It's you know it's it's post-structuralist theory. It's uh, you know and and it's and it's largely bullshit. I was going to say, but, why are we going here? Well, why not? I mean, because it's 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 one of the defining features of of, of academic discourse. First of all, to, to, to regard the world in structural as structure and you know and, and, and in a post-structural sense to, to understand the very means by which we understand it is 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 uh, you know, th- there's randomness at the very heart of that. Well, books are the way we understand it. B- yes, but b- books and books b- b- are b- not b- random. Well, b- yes, they are. Well, I mean, your I, book, you I mean, spent I mean, a hell of a lot of time pulling it together. That's I not did. random. No, it's not. But but I but I you know you know but it takes us it takes all, something almost like a religious faith. Oh, to get the to get go to, through to, the process and get it get what, it what, done get no, it. No, no, I'm not speaking. No, I'm not speaking. No, no, no. I'm taking just once one sees personality, communication as such, in in something like purely structural terms, to recede from that, and then to regard one's own ego involvement in the process as, as, as having anything like a unique feature. It takes something like a religious faith, <laughs> you know? Uh, so, okay. you know, I mean, I mean, you know, we, we don't need to follow that because, no. because you're a concrete, you're talking about books as such, but anyway, please. Well, the thing that fascinates me about books and learning and acquiring knowledge coming up with new ideas and thoughts and ways of moving forward that's what makes books so valuable but 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 they but, but books are physical objects 
Right. Now, no, not so much. I think that's what makes this such well, an interesting time. Well, this right? this is, and this is what I talk about yes, in this essay. In, in the magic book. It's Be, the, because we fetishize, you know, we, do you use that? Okay, okay. I would say that, that, there, that we make a fetish of the book. And that's not necessarily a negative thing. I'm simply, no. you know, it's descriptive. Well, right? I just think it allows me to, to know where I am in a book, for mm -hmm. one thing, and not to be sort of up in cyberspace or in a well but I, I love the book because it gives me a place I, I i can situate myself physically with this thing and well, i can go back and forward and you know yeah what what, what i you know I, I i tend to see it in 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 historical terms and you know and and, and i can't help but you know the, to go to the 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 image of uh Nazi yes. citizens, German citizens, under the un, under the rule of Nazis, throwing books on large piles of burning books, mm -hmm. and 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 that that gesture, and we see a similar thing happening now, you know, and, and, and less dram dramatically, for now anyway. For now, yeah. you know, but but uh, but but let me also let me say that you know my in, in a couple of hours I'm going to uh, when, when she wakes up. My sweetheart, who right now is in uh, Karen Maria Subak, who is in Salt Lake City, Utah, she'll be waking up. I'm going to call her, and I have on my on my computer a book that I bought through Amazon, and it's one of several books that I'm reading aloud to her over the phone, over on FaceTime. Right. And I've read five or six of these books to her since we've been apart over the past few weeks. You know, reading two at least a couple, three hours every day. You know, I've gotten very used to pulling up. It's very easy to see on the screen as opposed to in a book. I'm able to go back and forth in, in you know, in, in the in the pages. They're all on the same subject, so we're able to kind of cross-reference, at least, you know, anecdotally. And, uh, you know, so, I mean, it's we happen to be living in a time when, when, when you know, the, the, the data that we find in books is accessible both in physical terms and also in what we call cyberspace. Okay, fine. You know, I, wh where will that go? I mean, what, what in, in, in my essay, I talk about how I, I have this fanciful idea of, of myself being born rather in 1953, rather in uh, 2003 or something like that, maybe in, in, in 2040, you know, get, getting, uh, getting an email saying that, you know, uh, you know, you have been, ex you know, your book has been accepted for publication, your new book of poems. You know, so in that book will have been won a, won a prize, say, like my first book did. And maybe it was taken from, you know, thousands of other, you know, uh, submissions. So I can really feel good about it. You know, there, there has been a gatekeeper, you know, process, you know, and, and uh, you know, and I have, you know, somehow broken through and my book is going to be published online, but still published. Will, will I be as elated at, yes. at that as, yes. as getting that book in the mail that I got when I was a kid, when I was 29 years old, and I was able to open it up and smell it, you know, and, yes. and, and, and hold it, you know, and, and all that. I mean, it may be qualitatively a different, it obviously is a different kind of experience. Uh, but I cannot, I cannot tell you how what the psychological effect will be. You know, because it's my, still acceptance. Well, 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 well you because your and my consciousness, because of virtue of our age, is is grounded in the fetishization of the physical object. And uh, whereas you know myself, thir you know, 30, 40 years younger, you know, will have a very different relation to the physical nature of the book, right. and you know, and, and, and to the to the very uh, the very nature of information as such. 
and the consumption of information, and, you know, and, 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 and the very idea of style and, and voice, you know, and, and, and relevancy even. It's, it, it's, it's difficult to unring, to unring the bell of, of one's uh, adolescent dreams. You had this physical Absolutely. object in your mind. I had it in my mind. Of yes. course I did. Whereas yes. someone 40 years younger may not have it in his, yes. her or his or their minds. Just to, I just want to look at uh, the journey that you've taken. Mm -hmm. um, growing up poor, and you do mention throughout your, your book of essays, poets and the fools who loved them, mm -hmm. that you were in the projects and that you were poor. Mm -hmm. That's quite a journey that you've taken, isn't it? Yeah. My father was wanted in 47 states when he was caught. You know, we lived on the road, literally on the road, my entire, my childhood. You know, he was caught when he, when I was seven. And we lived in Elizabeth City, North Carolina on welfare. And then we lived in Norfolk, Virginia on welfare when he got caught a second time, just a year after he got, a year or two after he got out of prison. You know, I was adopted, you know, in my early teens by, uh, uh, family uh, by his his sister whom I didn't know and, and her husband so yeah I've been very lucky you know but yeah I had I had you know odd very odd beginning my life was very odd you know, relatively speaking yeah yes yes yeah you ripped off a couple of poetry books from the Salvation Army and they changed mm -hmm. your did they really change your yeah. life yeah yeah I purloined these fucking books and you know and uh ran like hell and 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 i didn't had no idea what i was looking at you know i was a kid i was in the projects i didn't know what a poem was but they were weird you know and, and i and i was attracted to their weirdness you know more than their wisdom because i did i couldn't really perceive the wisdom i could, I could but i could see their weirdness and and but i guess the main thing was i got a sense of of these guys you know speaking their feelings yeah. which was not something we were encouraged to do you know, uh, and and I, I I and I wasn't either. I mean, I was socialized as a as a punk in the you know I, I was a punk. You know, I was I was getting in trouble and 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 uh, was a, I fought a lot. I got in a lot of fights, and uh, but but at the same time, I, you know, I had this clandestine life. You know, reading these poems and and trying to write this stuff. It's, it's so interesting. You use the word weird. Yeah. We're in Prague, and that's. Oh, that's the word you connect with. I connect with Kafka. You know, I simply mean that, you know, I, there was nothing in my life experience to prepare me for it. I mean, the only thing and I read... you didn't have any teachers to show you the way. You just... And that's the thing. Most most of us at that age would look yeah. at this stuff and say, oh, fuck, I don't want to do that. I want to go play hockey or yeah. field hockey or, you know, baseball yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, I did all that. You know, I played baseball, football, basketball. I got a black belt in karate in Japan when I was a kid and taught my... I got through college teaching karate. Wow. And, um, uh, you know, I was pretty good, you know. But, uh, you know, but, but there was all, you know, there was always that. There was always poetry, you know, and... and um, that is weird. That is, in it, itself it, is it, weird. It, it's, it's, it's very weird, you know, and, and, and I... And so I spent so much of my adult life trying to figure out what, how that happened, you know, and, and what, what that meant. But it was, you know, it, I stayed on the path and, you know, unlike a lot of people, you know, I made a life with, for myself, you know, as a poet. But then I segued into writing primarily prose. And you know. you've got, like, how many degrees? 
I have, you know, I have an undergraduate degree and a graduate degree, but I went to, you know, I went, to, I was, a, I was a Hoynes Fellow at the University of Virginia before I went to Ar University of Arkansas and uh, and studied there with with uh, uh, Miller Williams and and uh, um, uh, James Whitehead and uh, two wonderful poets, and then I went to Iowa, you know, the Iowa Writers Workshop. But but I, when I got to Iowa, I already had a contract for my first book with Wesleyan. How long were you in Iowa? Just for a year, because I'd gone to like four or five years of graduate school before that, and they accepted everything. Plus, because I had a book coming out, they they just treated me differently than than other students, for better and for worse. But. Um, you know, I worked. I went there mainly because I wanted to work with Gerald Stern, and Larry Levis. You know, an old friend of mine, but who was a very famous poet, kind of like an older brother. I didn't know him real well, but he was very close to people who were like brothers to me. And he, you know, he he expedited the process. Got you know, I I transit. I transferred from Arkansas into Iowa. You know, and and Iowa is the you know the top of the food chain and the whole creative yes. and the whole creative yeah. writing biz. You know, right. And then you eventually set up this program here mm -hmm. in Prague. Yep. And you told me when we first met that there there were like 160 people involved. At one in it at, at some one point. point, at one point, I think in the early 2000s, I think we had up to 164. I think that was the number over 160. I think it was 164 people in you know students in the program. And uh, but we were averaging between at the low end 80 and at the top end like 110, 120. So we were, we were, you know, we, we it was a big program, it was huge programs. Well, yeah. I mean, there's not been nothing like it since then. And and now it's a, a fraction it's of 20, that. you know, but, and why but, but is we, that? Well, because I, I before it was a university program and I took it back from the university. What'd you use that for? Because I was running in because of politics, because of university politics. And uh, no bitterness, no, you know, it's just that, you know, I know... It took forever, you mean? Things did? Well, or? well what, what happened was that in the aggregate, the program has always made money. You know, I'll just put it bluntly, you know. And um, what, what, what happened for two years running was that the system by which the university was granting academic credit to individuals who were not matriculating from Western Michigan at Western Michigan University was problematized in ways that I don't need to get into. But what it resulted in one year was the fact that, that well over 100 people tried to, tried to apply to the program and only something like 40 of them were, 40, I think around 40 of them were able actually to get through the process. And they came to Prague just pissed off, you know, at, at the and university. You, and you were on the receiving end. Well, yeah, yes and no. I mean, you know, it, 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 you know, they weren't able to compare it to previous years or anything. But what they, they, they came and they just said, what's going on with your university? You know, and, and there was no one person to blame. It was a systemic problem. And uh, so, you know, there was a point at which I simply said, look, I'm going to take this program. Uh, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, you don't want to run this thing anymore. Otherwise, you'd, you'd solve this problem. So I'm going to take it back. What it came down to was the fact that that mechanism within the university that, that uh, facilitated study abroad programs w w reached a point where it was economically 
more advantageous to bring foreign students to WMU than it was to, to have a large program of American students abroad. It was just a matter of economics. Certain people within, within that unit did not understand. They didn't understand the, the power of the program yeah. and, and, and its, its, its resonance within the, the, within the cottage industry of creative writing. You know, they just didn't get it. And so rather than try to persuade them, rather than try to go over their heads, which I could have done, you know, or, or just play internal politics, which I'm just, at that point even, I was too old to do. I simply said, I'll take it back. You know, I will start it, I will pr privatize it. So it is, now a, um, it is now a LLC out of Michigan. What's LLC? Limited Liability Company. So the whole issue of academic credit is gone, for now anyway. Though we, have, we, ha we do have a mechanism by which students can, can earn credit. Uh, and it's a you know we don't need to get into that now, but no. but, but but there is a bureaucratic process by which that's possible, okay. and I'm, I'm in the process now also of working with uh, folks at, at uh, Anglo American University to maybe affiliate with them at least loosely. I never want to give the program up again to a university no. completely. But your your wish your goal is to build it up to a, a, a another. Yeah. Or are you okay with it right now? I like it with the way it is right now. Maybe get it up to thirty or forty, and keep okay. it there, and be just, just, just be as as exclusive as I can be within that, within that con. Make it more exclusive. Maybe a little bigger, but not a whole lot bigger. Maybe okay. three or four workshops. Um, you know, be, I, I, then I can hire more. You know, famous writers. You know, but you know, you know, if if one looks at our website and and the the the, the faculty that is taught in, for the program. It's pretty impressive. It's a who's who of uh, English language literature, American literature, really. Okay, maybe what we could do then is uh, I'm going to be participating in the mm -hmm. program. Right. So this is our our before. Yeah. <laughs> and perhaps what we could do at the end of it is yeah. to is to do an after. Yeah. Well, because then it'll and probably then it'll be more. You know, because you will have gone through it, you will be you will have specific questions about process, right? You know, and we'll, right. we, can get, we can we can kind of step down from from the uh, highfalutin thought. Yeah, that'd be great. Anything else you want to get on the record before as a baseline? <laughs> I, I I I don't know. Uh, you know, except to say that um, I'm proud of what I do. I think it's subversive by its very nature, and I I think it's a very healthy subversion. Why is it subversive? Well, the, the radical egalitarianism that that uh, is implicit in the cottage industry of creative writing is subversive because it has always been profoundly elitist. You know, you know that is to say, you know, the writer emerges from the general population. You know, the 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 real writer is someone who suffers for her or his or their art, and emerges, for, you know, through through some organic process. That is true, but uh, but but you know, and not everyone who takes creative writing workshops is you know is is going to be a quote successful writer. Um, but you know, I, I I do think that it is a pedagogy. Uh, the nature of which results in people being more thoughtful readers. And I think that, that that is the primary value of the workshop. It is not that it turns out writers, but that it has facilitated 
the, the, the formation over time of a large, uh, a relatively large community of, of, of readers who just happen to consider themselves writers, most of them. So, you know, I mean, make of that. Well, I will just have one last question, sure. and that is, so why, why is it so important to have more good readers? Well, I mean, it's as important as it is for there to be, you know, more good swimmers. You know, I mean, to, to, to have a pop, <laughs> it's, a, it's a fun, it's, you know, it, 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 it seems to me to be a pretty basic skill. You know, we have a more sane world maybe if that's well, well, big it, picture well you know but you know you know in, in the phase of late capitalism you know when when everything is commoditized the world the world of art of, of which the cottage industry of creative writing is one f facet um, is is it seems to me it mitigates against the the, the, the more uh, negative aspects of of, of a Holy commercial culture. Yeah. Great, yeah. great, yeah, great. Well, thanks. That's a, yeah. That's a, a great place to end, and I look forward to beginning again in the, in about a month or yep. so. Okay. Yeah, it'll be fun. Now, you have a, you're going to have a good time here, I think. I've already I'm already having a great time, and I'm glad <laughs> to have met you. So glad to have met you too, sir. Richard uh, Katrovas is the founding director of the Prague Summer Program for Writers and the author of 17 books of prose and verse, including, most recently, Poets and the Fools Who Love Them, a memoir and essays. Thanks again. By the, by the way, poets are the primary readers of poetry. So the fools that love them are other poets. So poets are fools. And this is made fair. I mean, this joke, this central, this joke is at the heart of the book, really. Very good. Yeah. Thanks again. You bet.